Hello, and welcome back to the PRSSA podcast. This is Kayla Holly, your guest host for this episode and your 2021-2022 Vice President of Professional Development. Joining us for this episode of PR with the Pros is Matt Prince. Matt is currently the Senior Manager of Public Relations and Brand Experience at Taco Bell. In this role, he leads Taco Bell's earned media, communications integration, and special projects for the global brand. He is responsible, in part, for several of the culture's biggest contribution, including the Taco Bell Hotel, Taco Bell Weddings, Taco Bell Beer, creation of the Taco Bell Emoji, and saving the world's first Taco Bell. Previously, Matt led social media engagement for the Walt Disney Company, where he developed and managed the company's first-ever social media command center and online engagement program. Prior to that, Prince was Senior Manager of Executive Communications, handling speech writing and strategic communications for the president of Disneyland and over 70 executives. Prince has been recognized in Adweek's 31 Young Influentials list and two 40 Under 40 lists, PR Week in the OC Metro magazine. Most recently, he was recipient of the Public Relations Society of America's Distinguished Service Award, their highest honor to an individual leading the local community in public relations. He has been heavily involved in PRSA over the years, serving as president of the Orange County chapter in 2014, and has been the advisor to his alma mater, Cal State Fullerton's PRSSA chapter since 2011. He was inducted into the PRSSA National Hall of Fame and was named National Advisor of the Year twice in 2013 and 2015. Without further ado, let's get started. Thank you, Matt, for joining us today on the PRSSA podcast. Thanks for having me. Great. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. Can you give us a quick rundown of your career path and how you got to where you are today? Of course. Yeah. So my career path uh, would start in college. I went to Cal State Fullerton in Orange County, California, and uh I was involved in PRSSA as a senior, and that was really where my career took off. Uh, my only regret is that I didn't start PRSSA earlier, if I'm being honest. So um, my senior year, I needed my internship. Uh, I remember one day after class, I was taking a sports marketing class. My professor asked me to stick around. He's like, hey, you know, I've, I've loved um, your work. I've loved your writing style. Would you want to come you know, intern at the city of Anaheim where he was working? He was an adjunct professor. And uh, I said, absolutely. So I, I had an opportunity to get my internship in the mayor's office for the city of Anaheim. Got to do everything from like speech writing to event planning. It was the city's 150th anniversary. So it was a really cool opportunity for me to get my, um, you know, my feet wet in a lot of different pieces of PR. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And what was supposed to be a, like a three-month internship turned up to be almost about a year long. Um, stint with the city, which I enjoyed. Within that time, I, I graduated college, uh, and then I got a call from the County of Orange, and they said, hey, we've loved working with you in the capacity of the city. Would you want to come work for us at the county and um, and work on events and communications for our Chamber of Commerce? And so that was my first real uh, big job out of college. Did that for about nine months, and uh, I remember very vividly my boss, who was director of communications, um, he got into a little bit of a tiff with our CEO and he walked out and my CEO called me into her office and she said, Hey, uh, your boss isn't coming back. Would you want to take his position? 
And so at the time I was still really young. I, I think I was 23 and um, taking over the director role, which had no business doing, but it was one of those things where right place, right time, hopefully a good amount of preparedness set me up for success. And uh, I jumped with it. And at that time, if you can imagine a world where social media wasn't prevalent, it was just getting started. And I was the young person that understood more than most people did in a very conservative arena. So I had a lot of success in kind of building that um, digital uh, world for, for, for them and did that for another three years. And then one of the great things about working for a chamber of commerce is we got to work with a bunch of different businesses in Orange County. Specifically, the biggest business in Orange County was Disney. And I got a call from them and they said, hey, we loved what you've been doing with the county. Would you want to come handle communications for our president of Disneyland? And amazing opportunities that absolutely jumped at that and joined them as senior manager of executive communications and did um, some amazing work, got an opportunity to write everything from thank you notes to executive speeches to scripts with Mickey Mouse, with Bob Iger, got to do a lot of really fun things. Um, realized soon after my, my uh, career, I didn't really want to go into speech writing for the rest of my life and uh, started to look for other opportunities still within Disney and then got an opportunity to, to lead a new team that was being built around social media monitoring and engagement for Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. And I took that opportunity and, and did some really cool stuff. My, my job for a long time was to go ride the rides, eat a lot, the, uh, eat the food and document the content and share it. So it was a real tough job, but um, someone had to do it. Uh, worked with that team for about two years and then got a call from Taco Bell and said, hey, we loved what you've been doing. Would you want to come lead uh, the PR team over at Taco Bell? And so now I've been with Taco Bell for going on eight years and uh, haven't looked back. Wow, thank you. Yeah, it sounds like um, you got it was a lot of getting calls for opportunities. And I know that you've spoke about this before, how uh, you've been the person that people think of when these opportunities arise. So how does one become that person? Yeah, this has been a big part of my career journey. And I think it started early on when I realized, you know, I wasn't a great student. I wasn't the smartest person in the room. Um, and so in a, in a stack of resumes, I'm, I'm not going to stand out. It was really hard for me to do that. But what I did understand was relationships and people. And, and my goal very early was I want to be what I call this. I want to, I want to be at the top of everyone's, I know a guy list or I know a girl list, which equates to what I realized opportunities show up very different than what I imagined they would show up. Um, when opportunities come up in roles, those teams that are surrounded with that opportunity go to their network and they say, hey, does anyone know anyone who would be good for this job? It doesn't go to LinkedIn right away. It doesn't go to the job boards right away. It goes to the surrounding network. And so my goal was to show up on people's I know a guy list where if that opportunity says, hey, does anyone know someone who would be good for this role? Someone says, oh yeah, I know a guy. I met him at this event or I heard him speak here or I, I met with him for coffee here could be a great opportunity, could be a great fit. And so I've weaseled my way into opportunities and in front of the people very strategically that I wanted to work with and that I wanted to be a part of. And um, the, the companies that inspired me, the people that inspired me, like I wanted to be with them and, and infiltrate infiltrate their, their worlds to be thought of and to be, you know, um, thought of as that I know a guy or I know a girl is. So that was really important to me. And I think how you do that is again, think really strategically about where you want to show up and who you want to show up with and make those connections. Um, network is such an important thing. All of the jobs that I've had in my career 
were that of recruitment. I was recruited from a job that I love to a job that I love even more. I didn't apply for any of those jobs that I've taken. Um, now I've applied for many jobs and I've not gotten them. Um, so it's not to say that I'm, you know, um, perfect because I'm far from it, but the career path that I've taken was that of through my network. So you've had a lot of accomplishments in your career. What would you say is one of your biggest accomplishments so far? You know, that's a great question. I've, I've had a great opportunity to work for a lot of really cool brands. Um, you know, I've worked in different industries from government to nonprofit, to entertainment, to food. And to be honest with you, I, like my, if I look back at my career, the thing that I'm most excited about is the work that I've done with PRSSA, the work that I've done with like the students, um, the work that I'm getting to do now as, as a, a recent adjunct professor that I've taken on that role. And to me, like that has been the most rewarding aspect of my career. Um, I think that the things that I've been doing, of course, are and like, I'm so proud of the work that I've been doing for the brands that I've been working for. Um, but it's a different type of pride that I think I take in the, the mentorship work that I've had an opportunity to work with, with, you know, amazing students like yourself. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a different type of pride. And I think that as a, if I look back on my career is something that, um, you know, always makes me smile. That's really sweet. I'm glad that you enjoy working with us. We uh, appreciate your mentorship. Definitely. Uh, so you just touched on how you recently moved into the education field. Is that something that you've always wanted to do? I know that you serve as mentor in many capac- capacities, but did this particular opportunity just fall into your lap? I've always wanted to teach. Uh, even in high school, I actually started a club called Future Teachers of America at my high school. Um, it was something that I'd always wanted to do. Initially, I thought I wanted to be an English teacher in high school. Uh, my original major in college was English. And then it, it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. So it, it evolved eventually to, to majoring in, in public relations. But it's always been something I've been really passionate about. Um, you know, my 15-year career, I've spoken to, you know, over 100 different classes. And it was always amazing because I get a chance to come in and, um, you know, do my thing. But then I don't, it's not like a long-lasting connection that I have the opportunity to, to serve. And so this this was a really big goal of mine was to, to find a teacher role that I could do that in. And, um, you know, Chapman University is a university that I've been involved with for many years and I've spoken there many times. And so eventually an opportunity came up and they said, Hey, we, we know a guy. And, and so that's kind of how it, how it happened. What would you say is your favorite part of your professional life right now and why? My favorite part right now professionally would be just like the real time fast-paced world in which we're developing really cool stuff. So a, a big part of my job with Taco Bell is to build out these culturally relevant moment that keeps the brand top of mind. And you don't do that by staying stagnant. You don't do that by um, doing what you've always done. You do that by listening to culture. You do that by listening to your consumer and you listen to the world of what's happening around you. And then you take these insights that are built within your brand and within the, these within culture and you develop really cool moments. Um, and so I think that's the thing I love most about my role is, is finding those opportunities, searching through, you know, what seems to be or look like nothing. But then when you think really strategically and, and put a creative lens over it, you can build these amazing programs that people would question like, why would Taco Bell do that? But then you look deeper into it or you ask like our biggest fans and they're like, 
of course Taco Bell would do that. Like it makes perfect sense. Like that, that's such a cool thing that they're doing. So that always gets me jazzed up. I love, I love doing those types of things that makes people scratch their head in one side, um, but also makes a lot of people just say like, this is such a thing that Taco Bell would do. I love that. And social listening is so important right now. And it's so awesome the way that we have access to social media and you can connect directly to the audience you're looking to connect with. Um, yeah, social listening is not a proprietary thing. Everyone has access to the same information. And what I always say is like what sets us apart at Taco Bell is that we're, we're built different to move quicker on those opportunities, right? So um, taking advantage, like a good example, um, one that I always give is that of like Taco Bell weddings. So if you're not familiar, you can actually get married in the Taco Bell in Las Vegas. And that idea was born out of social listening where I was seeing and social people were posting like, photos getting married with sauce packets because they say, will you marry me on them? And people were taking their wedding photos at Taco Bell and people were catering their weddings with Taco Bell. Um, And so you take all of these elements and individually, they probably don't seem big, but when they're put together, they form an insight. And that insight was Taco Bell plays a really important role in the love story of our biggest fans. And so you take that insight, you look around at what happened, it's happening in culture and weddings were changing and and they weren't happening in ballrooms anymore. They weren't happening in churches all the time. They were happening in barns and parks. And so we were building a restaurant at that time in Vegas. And I'm like, what better place to do something crazy than build like Taco Bell weddings in Vegas. And so that's how it was born. Um, But it was, it was out of that social listening. It was out of the behaviors that are already happening. You just happened to shine a light on it and amplify it in a really cool way. Absolutely. I, I love the Taco Bell wedding. I think that's such a good idea and we're better than Las Vegas. So moving a little bit into the mentorship realm of your life, uh, you created this incredible net net synergy mentoring uh, platform. Uh, it's a website, but it's also on LinkedIn, which is beautiful. Can you tell me about an experience that you had with a mentor and maybe share one thing that they told you that sticks with you today? Yeah. Mentorship is an amazing thing. There are different types of mentors and, you know, I never had anyone in my career that I shook hands with and said, you know, this is a mentorship program, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't assigned, you know, mentorship. It was. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I get so involved in mentorship now is because I wish I had that. I wish there was an easier way to connect. Um, And so that's been my passion point um, throughout my career. But for me, I mentioned that there are different types of mentors. The, The biggest mentor that I had in my career, her name was Lucy Dunn. She was the CEO of the Orange County Business Council, the, the chamber where I worked for, for those three years. And I watched her, like my mentorship was just me watching her. Like I would sit in a room and I would see how she would command, you know, a meeting. I would see how her pacing and her timing would help um, drive her points across. I would see how her humor and her ability to like almost take this like theatrical approach to, um, you know, running a meeting and her the relationships. And like, I learned from that. She didn't teach me those things and she didn't say, Hey, I would like to mentor you, but I was able to pull from just watching her. And so I think a lot of times the word mentorship can be kind of scary because it's like, well, I don't want to reach out to somebody and like, yeah, I don't know if they're available or um, maybe they don't have time or they don't want to, you know, give their advice to someone who's as young as me, but you don't have to have that formal connection to find value in a mentorship. Um, and there could be mentorship that's outside of work. And there's personal mentors and there's professional mentors. There's emotional mentors. Like there's all sorts of different types of ways that you can build your 
uh, you know, breadth of experience and knowledge. And it doesn't have to be with the traditional, like, I will be your mentee, you will be my mentor. So I encourage people to look at all different aspects of how they can just watch people, monitor people, and and still have those more formal mentorships too, because I think those are important. That's why the net, net synergy was built. Um, but I think for me, she was someone that I really aspired to be like, because I just was able to watch her and, and mirror her, her work. What are a few tips that you have for students that have never approached a potential mentor? How can they, how can they take the first step? Approaching a mentor can be pretty intimidating, especially as a student or a young professional where you're reaching out, um, you know, blindly to somebody. And I think, you know, by creating that net synergy, that was an opportunity where I saw was everyone that's listed on the website. There's about 200 different professionals and all sorts of different, um, experiences and background and these are people who have signed up saying like i will be there to support you if you need help um so it's not as much of a cold outreach of i wonder if this person has time there there are people who are are willing to give their time and, and they're they're here on the site which is cool um but i also tell people all the time you literally have the ability to reach out to anyone in the world like literally you can connect with anybody in the world that you want to and you should really try to take advantage of that. So like, if you want to work in fashion, reach out to the people who are in fashion and you would be surprised of the amount of yeses you will get to connect for 15 minutes, for 30 minutes to pick their brain for a virtual coffee. Um, you know, I think now to what, what COVID and the pandemic did was really connect people in a different way across the world. Like you have access to more and more people through Zoom in a way that it wasn't even as prevalent as it is now, just a couple of years ago prior to COVID. So take advantage of that access, take advantage of people's desire to, to give back because most professionals remember what it was like to be a student and they remember wanting that passion um, and, and having that connection. So best case scenario, you hear yes. Worst case scenario, you don't hear back anything at all and you move on to the next person to reach out. It's not a big deal. So um, just know that there's a lot of people who want to give back and, and take advantage of the access that you have through, through LinkedIn and through other access points. And through your net net synergy, they're very experienced people in the field. They have a lot of knowledge to offer. So uh, I, I certainly really appreciate this platform and especially the LinkedIn you've set it up for job postings for entry-level candidates, or I think it's one to three, or I'm sorry, one to five years. And people just like me that are graduating in May can go on and look through all of the opportunities. It definitely takes a step out of the research process, or at least gives us another resource in the research process for jobs. Yeah. And the, the career board on LinkedIn that was something that was kind of born just through the community itself. And that's one of the things I've loved most about NetNet Synergy and how this has been built out. Because to the point we talked about earlier, all of these job postings are connected to somebody. They have a picture next to it. They have a post next to it. And it's much more of a personal connection than a blind you know, job post that you'll typically see on LinkedIn or another job board. 
Um, and I, again, I think that relationship piece helps like this, this whole net energy was built because of the importance of relationships and network. It was built because that's how I had my career. If I didn't have those connections, I wouldn't have the career I've had. Um, so I wanted to make it an easier way for people to connect, to kind of have that same opportunity. So what advice would you give to a graduating senior that doesn't quite know exactly which PR path they want to take or want to work in? First and foremost, I will say that's okay. And that's normal to like not know exactly where you want to go. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Like it, that doesn't go away. Like, you, you know, I think for a lot of people, they'll, they'll constantly be searching and that's okay too. Um, and your passions and your interests, they'll always change and that they're constantly moving. It'll shift with your you know, personal life and how you are growing as an individual, both personally and professionally. Um, but you don't know until you connect with the people that are in it, or you get an opportunity to um, be exposed to the real world scenarios. So internships, number one thing you can do, get in there and actually like get some experience in the different ways. So if, if you have, um, you know, a year that you have, can dedicate to internships in your senior year, try to do four three-month internships and and do them in different areas where one might be in a nonprofit, one might be in food, one might be in entertainment or fashion, kind of narrowing down exactly what you want to do. Because there could be areas where like, oh, I was really passionate about this, but then you get exposed to you're like, oh, it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be, or I, didn't, I wasn't as good at it as I thought it would be. Or you may be pleasantly surprised in other ways, like I, this wasn't even on my radar, but I excel in it and I love it. Um, so I think actual experience will help you. Another option too, again, is those informational interviews, those virtual coffees. That will be the easiest and um, you know least impactful way to get exposure to different areas. So if if you're interested in food, reaching out to somebody who works in it day in and day out and picking their brain um, and kind of learn through you know third party what it's like and if that interests you, keep keep it going. Um, but you'll be pleasantly surprised, I think, when you get exposed to people in the real world of of what you what you like. In public relations, I think more than any other career that I've seen is so broad and so vast with what you can do. Um, you know, whether you're working with um, influencers in, you know, social or you're working with government or you're working with like entertainment to build out, you know, campaigns there, I mean, there's just an endless amount of things that you can do and places that you can go. Like every place needs public relations. Um, and that was another thing that was appealing to me with this major was because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew with a foundation of public relations, I could figure it out as I went and that would be okay. Absolutely. Because it provides you with the hard skills of writing, but it also gives you the soft skills of talking to people and networking. Yeah, I agree. I really appreciate your background because as a PR student in college right now, agency can sometimes feel like one of the only options or at least the most popular option for graduates. But you found huge success following a corporate path, really. So can you give us some insight into the opportunities that you've seen in the corporate PR world? Absolutely. I think that was the adult question, right? As you're getting to graduate, am I going to go agency? Am I going to go in-house? And to be honest with you, I just kind of went along with the opportunities that unfolded in my career. I didn't strategically say I only want to do in-house, but that was just the way that it shook out and, um, and it worked out okay. I will say, and I think I've mentioned it to you in the past, like 
no matter what decision you make, it will be the right one. If you choose agency and you hate it, that was the decision you needed to make. And that was the lesson that you needed to learn. If you choose agency and you love it, that was a decision you needed to make. And that was the lesson you needed to learn. So no matter what happens, um, you will learn and either continue on that path or help guide you to the correct one. And I think we need to remember that a lot of times it's like, I have to make the right decision. And you put a lot of pressure on yourself, but know that whatever decision you make will be the right one because it'll help you along that path. Um, you know, agency is a great opportunity to get exposed to a, a much more broad, um, I'd say, work set when it comes to PR because you may be working for different clients or um, different elements of a campaign for uh, several clients. So you have an opportunity to kind of dabble in everything. You're wearing probably a little bit more, more hats. Um, but again, you just have to figure out what environment works best for you. Um, I've found that in-house is a little bit more calm, you know, depending on where you're going, where, what the job is, but it's not as fast paced. The hours might be a little bit more controllable. Um, and for me in, in my life, that's been something that I've, I've really relied on and appreciate. So I think, again, it'll kind of depend on, on where you are and how you work best to determine which path you should take. But know that no matter which one you do, it'll be the right one. So you touched on how internships can be really, really valuable because you get that hands-on experience. Uh, but in another way, what are some skills and attributes that current students can work on that you might look for when you're hiring a recent college graduate? The things that I look for when I'm hiring are usually the things that I can't teach. You know, if I look back, I will take work ethic over experience every day of the week um, because to me that's what drives people um, and I can teach you about you know our product or, or I can teach you about our company but I can't teach you how to work harder that's something that you have you know within yourself um, so things like that so you look at work ethic you look at uh, a love of writing you know I can hone your skills I can help hone your skills but either you love writing or you don't um, same with interpersonal communication skills like I can help refine some of the things those but you you either have that that element or you don't so to me it's that those factors that really play a difference i think now though public relations is also shifted in a way that it's much different industry than it was when i graduated um you know many many years ago and you look at you know content platforms like tiktok you're a, you're a video editor so like like if you're if you want to take classes within video editing or um, one that's showed up a lot when I bring a lot of presenters for my, my class on influencer marketing and people always talk about, Oh, I wish I had taken a class on contract negotiation. Like these are types of things that I don't even, I had never even thought about, but as a student, I wish I would have dabbled a little bit more in things like graphic design, video editing, um, more business focused, um, you know, elements that I think it would be nice to have a, a foundational knowledge of. Those are, I think, great ways to amplify the, the skill set that you can bring to the table. But personally, for what I look, what I look for in someone is, is that X factor. It's the, you know, it's the passion, it's the determination, um, the grit, um, as a lot of people call it. Like that, that's what I really look for. And um, knowing that people have a passion for what they do and are excited about coming to work every day because everything else will, will be easy if you have that passion.
So moving into something a little bit different, um, clearly you are juggling quite a few different positions and projects right now. So how do you stay organized? I could be a lot more organized, but I think one thing that keeps me sane is just the ability to take one thing at a time, take a deep breath, not get overwhelmed because it's so easy to get overwhelmed with so many things that are happening. I mean, you you literally have information coming at you 24-7. Um, you're connected 24 um, seven, even if it's not to work, it's to friends, it's to family, it's to the world. And it's, and it's hard to manage. It's a lot. And it gets, it feels like it gets harder every, every year. So um, being able to take breaks, really think about, um, there was a quote that I saw that I loved. It was about, you know, productivity doesn't need to be about doing, it could be about like taking a really a conscious pause and so I'll do that a lot where I'm, if I'm overwhelmed, like I will consciously, like, I'm going to watch a show. Like, I just need to take a break. I need to go for a walk. And like, that's still productive because it's taking care of me. It's taking care of like my mindset. And that comes with self-awareness too. I think it's really important. Uh, and you'll gain this as you go through your career, understanding who you are and like what drives you and where your limits are and understanding that because you have to treat yourself um with respect and like you need to know where your like burnout point is and and catch yourself before you get there so um self-awareness is huge huge um and i think that's probably been a big driver for me to help maintain my sanity you touched on work-life balance a little bit but if you could expand any what does work-life balance mean to you and how else have you worked to establish it i know that you just expanded on that but if you have anything to add Work-life balance is huge. And I think every year it gets harder and harder to manage because people are more and more connected and you're doing more and more work. Um, It's important, obviously, to find the things that you love and you can get that recharge from um, both mentally and physically and emotionally. Uh, I have kids, so I don't get to wind down at the end of the day. Like I get to have to ramp back up, you know, I have to kick it into fifth gear and, um, so for me, you know, I have my time at the end of the night, once I get them to bed where I can focus on the things that I want to do, whether it's getting a workout in or whether it's just watching TV to just chill. Um, I'm also, I, I do a lot of like house projects. I do a lot of DIY home renovation. So I, I get um, a lot of uh, creativity in a different way out through that, which is, which is always really fun. But I think the importance of balance is determining what you want to balance, like figuring out what's important to you. And again, figuring out those, those things that you don't want to compromise. And so for when I, you know, prior to COVID, when it was nine to five in the office, I made a really strong effort. Like when it hit five, when it hit five 30, I would leave the office because at the end of the day, I'm selling tacos. Like I'm not changing the world. I'm not curing cancer. Like sometimes you have to remind yourself of what you're doing and, and how important it is. Not to say that tacos aren't important. They're very important. Um, but I realized if I wasn't finishing what I needed to accomplish by 5.30, I needed to reassess like my time allotment or my workload, or I needed to shift my day. And for me, it was like, I want to be home by six to have dinner with my family, be a good dad. And if I need to add time, I could add time at the beginning of my day, because that's the time that they were already sleeping or they were going to school. Uh, and so building in a schedule that works for you, that works for your family uh, is really important. I've seen now with the working from home during the pandemic, this um, what they call like a three peak work day, 
where you have these peaks that spike up in the morning and then um, in the middle of the afternoon, and then it goes down and then it spikes back up around nine o'clock. You have this more flexible work day that is both a blessing and a curse, but um, you know, that's where people are finding that they can, I, I can get to my emails again, once I get the kids down and I can work from nine to 11 uninterrupted. And it, it's my, you know, it could be, it could be a creative time for me or whatever. So again, finding what works for you, finding what works for your um, passion points and the, and the things in your life that you're trying to balance um, and try to figure it out. You're not going to get it right all, right away too. You're, you're going to try to do something and um, it's a balancing act and you're going to drop some things and it's okay, but you'll pick them back up and figure out where, where your balance is. It's nice to hear that uh, graduating about to go into the work field in the industry uh, that everyone's still sort of figuring it out. And I just want to know, I know you're not curing cancer, but tacos, especially from Taco Bell are very important, especially to mental health. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree. Okay. So I want to move into a little bit of a lightning round. I have some questions for you that just have to do with, you know, what you like personally. So let's get started. What are you listening to? This could be podcasts and or music. My favorite podcast of all time is This American Life. Um, I listen to it all the time. If you're not familiar, it's, you know, stories of American or not just American, but stories of uh, people around the world. Uh, and they could be generic and they could be, and they're interesting. And there's just this really cool storytelling through the lens of people um and it's an amazing amazing series and it's they've been around forever there's like over 700 episodes you can uh, listen to them all for free on thisamericanlife.com what are you reading so reading is probably one of those things that i don't do a lot as much as i would like to um audiobooks was i was a big fan of audiobooks so i could multitask and do things while i was like on the road during my commute but since commute has shifted it's been harder but um right now on my commute on my queue is uh, atomic habits it's by james clear um and it's about kind of uh, how you can make small changes to to make larger impacts and like the habits you have throughout your life what are you watching? Right now I am watching, I'm re-watching Suits. It's a series that I think originally was on like USA, but um, now it's on uh, Prime and uh, I'm re-watching that. It's a, it's a, I like, I like shows that are very confrontational and dramatic because that's not who I am as a person. So it's like, I get, I get my fix of that through there. And it also like teaches me, like if anything ever does get dramatic or like hostile, like I've, I've learned through, you know, these TV shows. It's like how you're like, you can basically be a doctor because you've watched Grey's Anatomy your whole life. It's like you have that, that skill now because you watch these people do it. What is a favorite quote or phrase that you live by? I think by far my favorite quote, and I'll paraphrase it, is the one by Maya Angelou that talks about, you know, people will forget what you say, um, people forget what you do, but they'll never forget the way that you make them feel. And I think that's such an important lesson to learn in life that, um, you know, you can really make a difference in people's life by, you know, getting people to feel and, and hopefully um, can help provide some some hope or some uh, guidance. And, uh, and I think that's what they'll remember you for. So don't get so caught up in, in what you're doing necessarily or how you're saying it or how you're looking. Um, but making a deep and positive impact will change the world. She has a lot of really awesome quotes. <laughs> for sure. 
What is your go-to drink order at a cafe? I recently got into coffee, like as you know, I, I think one thing that sent me over the edge was having a second child. Um, also working from home sent me over the edge because I get a lot of my energy from people. And so when I was by myself, I got really, really tired. So I started getting into coffee um, and I love milk. Milk's like my favorite thing. And it's probably a weird thing to say, but so my coffee of choice has been lattes, like vanilla lattes, because it's like, it's mostly just milk. So that's been my like transition into the coffee world. I am surprised to hear that you just started drinking coffee because we we've met previously and you all have always had a lot of energy. So I assumed you drink coffee. Yeah. You know, it's just that natural energy that I had for a long time, but again, the older you get, the harder, the harder it is to, to maintain it. So now I'm relying on some third party resources, but it's, but it's good. I like it. I like, I like the, you know, the feeling like the habit of having something like every morning that's consistent. And um, like, it's just like a comfort feeling. What helps you decompress after a day of work? Yeah, I mentioned I have kids earlier, so I don't decompress. That's not something that's in my vocabulary, but it is a, it's more like a recharge, I would say. Um, and I think shifting gears into being a parent or shifting gears into, um, you know, working on the house or doing things like that, I think give me, give me energy. If I absolutely have to do nothing, like I, I love TV and movies and just like sitting down and and having the mind still be active and, and going on these creative journeys or storytelling, like I think, I think again, that's still a positive. And so, yeah, so I think if I'm not doing stuff with my kids or working on the house to, to recharge, then I'm just chilling out like a vegetable on the couch. Why do you love public relations? I love public relations because it's unlike any industry I've ever seen where you have things changing by the week on how work gets done and and how and who you're working with. And so much of it is listening in real time and being flexible and dynamic. And for a lot of people, I think that could be hard, but I think for people who are successful in public relations, if they thrive on it, um, and I know I certainly do, of being able to balance, um, you know, this ability to move quickly, um, work under pressure, and and um, hopefully do a lot of cool things in the process. So um, the job that I have today will not be the same job I have next year. The jobs you guys as students are going to have in five years don't exist yet. Like that should blow your mind, you know, to not even have a job that's listed now be the one you're going to have in five years is an indicator that this industry is shifting so quickly, that this world is shifting so quickly that you have to be ready to, to adapt. And to me, that's really cool. Do you have any parting words for our audience? What a loaded question. I, I just want to say congrats, you know, to all the students who are working hard and trying to figure everything out, I will say it's really hard. Be comfortable with where you are in your career journey and trying to figure it out. It's okay if you don't have things figured out. That's normal. Like I said before, people go their entire lives without figuring out or changing how they want to figure out. And that's okay. Take as much pressure off as you can. If you're able to have the flexibility to take a break after college, go on a trip, pause for mental health. That's really, really important. The right job and the right people will be there when you're ready to come back to it. I say this all the time to my students, you have about 45 years to work in your career. That's a really long time. Taking three months to pause for mental health or pause to go travel 
if you have the opportunity to do so, is a blip on the radar. So the right jobs and the right people will be there for you. So try, try to, I know it's hard because there's so much passion and there's so much driving people to find success really early, but think of yourself and think of um, uh, opportunities and ways that you can improve your mental health and, and improve your yourself. So you have a strong foundation to start that journey of 45 years. And so you started off on the right foot. So thank you so much, Matt, for joining us on the PRSSA PR with the Pros podcast. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of PR with the Pros with Matt Prince. You can find a list of some of the resources that Matt mentioned in the episode description. Let us know what you enjoyed most from this episode by tagging us at PRSSA National on Twitter, Instagram, or mention us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Stay tuned for another episode next month.